Hello there, it's great to have you back with us at Institute of World Mission podcast. This is episode number 62, and we are full well into our second year of developing this weekly live conversation about Adventist missions. Friends, this whole idea that we can be connected as a community, this excites me very much. I know this idea, this vision for a community of Adventist missionary practice really has a warm place in the hearts of my colleagues at IWM and also in those who are serving in our partner ministries at the General Conference. We who are into cross-cultural missions in the Seventh Adventist Church, we're encouraged with the potential for a true learning community. At the center of this vision for true learning communities are two values. Number one, The Lord is preparing this world for His soon second coming. This is what we live for, don't we? He fully owns this mission. This means all of us who are part of it, we are part of His most strategic team. Do you believe that? Is that making you excited? Oh, here's the second value. This mission is supernatural. We believe it is supernatural. It's what Jesus does in this great controversy between the forces of good and evil. And if so, he will see it through. He has the potential, the capability, the power to see it through. And that's truly amazing. Now, that also means that he is able to make us able to fulfill our parts that he called us for. That means some work on our sides. It means some learning to do. Getting closer to him and continuously learn, that's what we do. Let me recap really quickly. Mission is His. He will see it through. He allows us to be part of it. He calls us to be part of it. And with that, He engages us in a lifelong learning process, which He is ready to accomplish in us through the Holy Spirit. And this is what this podcast is all about. Remember, continuous learning for mission. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. The big question for today's episode is... What motivates us to be missionaries? This is precisely what we will discuss with our guest, Dr. and Pastor David Tasker. David, originally from Australia, serves as Dean of Schools of Education and Theology in the Pacific Adventist University in Papua New Guinea. He and his wife, Carol, have many years of cross-cultural mission service as church administrators and educators. Recently, they have accepted this new mission assignment to Papua New Guinea. And just recently, we were together, they were together with us at a Mission Institute program where we actually recorded this interview. That said, let's transition to our conversation for today. David, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. So we decided to discuss a very important topic which is missionary motivation. So let me just ask you the first question that we have here in our plan for this episode, and it goes like this. In what ways does motivation powerfully affect our decisions? 
Good question. Motivation drives everything that we do. But what drives me will be different to what drives you. And what drives me and you will be quite different to what anybody else does. We're all different. But it's interesting, as we've been here at Mission Institute, I've noticed that there's been three main things that motivate people. One is the... Especially missionaries, right? Yeah, well... Or generally people. Yeah, the people that are ministered to and the missionaries that go to them. We're all motivated by something. And guilt and innocence is one that we as Westerners are very concerned about. Am I doing the right thing? And if I'm not doing the right thing, I'm going to feel guilty. But that's not what everybody is motivated by. There are many people that are motivated by shame or honor. If I do something that brings honor to the community, I feel good. But if I do something that makes everyone feel embarrassed, then I feel like crawling under a rock. That's a bad thing for me. But there are other groups of people that are motivated by the fear that they have of the unknown, of the spiritual powers out there. And so if they're afraid, then they will do certain things and they want power to overcome those threats that are out there. So as I've looked at this, there's all kinds of things that motivate us. And I'm really wondering what motivates me. Maybe it's a mixture of all of those things, but it's the positive things that need to motivate me rather than the negative ones. I need to be motivated by a sense of my innocence because Jesus has given me that. Or I need to be motivated by a sense of honor. What is the most honorable thing to do to bring honor to you and to me? Or a sense of power. How are we sharing in the power of God that he's promised us? And that's, I think, it's a long answer, but it's an important question. Thank you, David. Actually, you are looking quite deeply into the essence of motivation across cultures, across different people groups, how they are motivated, what drives their behavior, what drives their decisions. And yes, we're not yet talking about missionaries, which we are actually going to move into right now. So what do you believe motivates Adventist missionaries? I can't speak for all Adventist missionaries. I have to speak from my own perspective. And I think the first one is the Gospel Commission. Go and tell all nations. Baptize. Disciple first and then baptize them. Another verse that comes to my mind is Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate missionary. He left the comfort of his own environment, surroundings, and he came to a very hostile and desperate place. And I think, man, if I'm a follower of Jesus, am I going to run away from opportunities like that? And maybe the third point, what motivates me if I get a call to do mission service? There are many fears about let me go to that place and all bad things will happen to me. So I need to trust God. God will look after me. He will care for the things that I'm anxious about. And as well as that, we have found over our years of ministry that the happiest place for us is the place that God decides. I've seen so many of my colleagues choosing the best places for them, and it really has been a frustrating journey for them. I have not been able to predict what my path would look like, but as I look back, I think, wow, what an adventure, because I've been in the places that I feel that God has wanted me to be. Thank you. I mean, these three points, and I just would like to kind of very quickly repeat them. It's the Gospel Commission. Jesus asks us to go. It's the example of my master, mm. the one who disciples me, the one who sends me. 
and if he did it, you know, that, that motivates me to do something similar. And it's actually a desire to be where God wants me to be. So it's, it's kind of all centered in the person of Jesus from what yes. I'm hearing from you. He asks me, he gives his example, and he has a plan for my life, which is better than I could ever imagine. Yeah, so I can trust him in that. I don't need to feel anxious. I just trust him because he knows what he's doing. All right, so that is a great beginning, but we will want to look a little bit deeper because there's all kinds of things that happen with the question of why. Why do we as missionaries go? So another question I'd have is, what could be examples of missionary motivation that is not helpful, right? The negative side of this. Yeah, I think if we treat other people as lesser beings than ourselves, these people are ignorant, they need me, they need my brilliance because they just are so lacking in every area. That is probably one of the most dangerous attitudes to have. Could you expand on this a little bit? We go there thinking that we're the expert and they don't know. And because I'm the expert, they should listen to me. And everything I say, they should take notice of. And everything that I tell them to do, they should do. That is really quite counterproductive because I think in the final analysis, as I've looked over my years of mission service, I have learned more from the people that I go to than I teach them. They might disagree with that, but that's my perception. I've been so blessed as I've learned from them. So it's that superior attitude that is not helpful for motivation. If I feel like, oh, I've got it, right? And I can really go and tell them. So that is not with Quite that attitude, helpful. you will not last long and you will return home very disappointed and frustrated. Okay. What would be another one? Well, going back to an earlier question about what motivates me, if I'm going there with a sense of guilt, a sense of shame or fear, what would people think of me if I didn't go? What would I say if I failed this mission? You know, it's these negative senses that if we have these, they are also very counterproductive. And the third point, I've done something really bad in my youth and I need to go into the mission field to atone for my wrongs and to make up for the mistakes of my past life. I think that would be a very sad motivation as well. And I know of people that have done that and it's not safe. We need to know that, hey, I am accepted by God. I've been forgiven. He's given me a new life. Right, let's put the baggage behind us and let's go forward. It's very interesting that, that you're bringing this up. I think this is essential that we actually just kind of try to unpack this a little bit more. So missionaries can go into the field because they feel guilty for not going. Yes. Or they feel ashamed that they're not going. And that does happen sometimes. In other words, it's external pressure. People are pushing. You need to do this. If you don't have some time in mission service, you will not succeed in life. You know, all these kind of external pressures. It is not those things that it is safe to go on and motivating us to be a missionary. It needs to be more of an internal thing. I feel the call of God in this. But that is driven by a certain theology. So, you know, a certain understanding of God and of yeah. what God is expecting. Mm. You know, if we are being shamed, especially as leaders, and a number of our podcast listeners are mission leaders. Mm. So this is not how we want to motivate others no. then. We don't want to shame people for, we don't want to shame them or make them afraid or put them on a guilt trip. And to or man them or manipulate them. That's a good one. And that's another negative that I have seen. So these are things to avoid. 
And as missionaries, if we feel that, you know, we are being manipulated or we are being manipulated by our own feelings, yes. these kind of feelings, then this is not what should we act on. Yeah, yeah. Very well. David, what are some of the biblical examples of missionary motivation, whether positive or negative? Mm -hmm. The first one that comes to mind is Jonah, the reluctant missionary. He was asked to do something that because of his own national feelings, he did not want to go to Nineveh because that was the enemy. Why would I want to go and help the enemy? Why would I want them to get closer to God when they're such a hated race? We despise those people. And the interesting thing about that, to ease his conscience, he thought of something very grand. You know, if I go to the ends of the earth, I think God would accept that instead as a, as a noble substitute for my mission service. And I think my choice is better than God's choice. Now, he didn't say that, but that's the underlying message of what he did. Then when he was so successful, he still complained about that success because it made him look like a failure. He was saying to all the people, look, in 40 days, God is going to destroy this place. And he would have been secretly happy about that. But when it didn't happen, he was very angry with God. And God just sort of gently reminded him, Jonah, you're worried about this plant that died, that it was covering you from the sun, but I'm more concerned about people. You're concerned about the processes and the prejudices and all those things, but I'm interested in the people who don't know the difference between their left hand and their right hand. So it's interesting that that Jonah is seen as a hero of faith. You know, God blessed that flawed prophet and achieved so much to him. I mean, which other person had achieved so much in terms of an evangelistic success? A whole city of non-godly people were, were converted by him. So amazing story. Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles, and when he describes his story, I was beaten three times. I was stoned once and three times I was shipwrecked and I was in, in the depths of the ocean for a day and a night waiting for rescue or getting being able to get to land. Amazing. I mean, we think of some of our pioneer missionaries who experience things like this and it makes us more modern missionaries feel rather humble. We're doing nothing in comparison to these earlier ones. And I think of John Mark, the young man that Paul refused to take with him. He said, look, I don't want that young guy because he's failed us. I don't trust him anymore. But remember Barnabas argued and stood up for John Mark and Paul refused. And so they just separated, which is interesting because this was just after the Jerusalem Council. It was after the general conference meeting, the height of spiritual good feelings and everything. But soon after that, this huge dissension came up between these two pillars of the church. Paul went one way with Silas, Barnabas took John Mark in another direction. But many years later, when Paul is in prison, he said, only Luke is with me. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. So this Barnabas had the good sense to allow this young missionary who, who made mistakes and made a mess of it and had to be sent home. He gave him a second chance, and as a result of that, even Paul recognized, hey, this is a good guy. I want him to, to come with me and give me a bit of comfort in my prison cell. Our latest addition to IWM selection of online courses is a course titled How to Learn a Foreign Language. You see, learning a new language is probably one of the biggest challenges most every expatriate worker faces. 
If you master the language of your host community, it could become a major leap forward in creating true friendships and fulfilling the goals of your ministry. To access the course, go to How to Learn a Foreign Language course link in the show notes. Since the course is brand new, we hope you'll try it out and give us feedback. Again, access link is in the show notes. You know, David, this is you, you brought three personalities from the Bible to our attention, and each one was a cross-cultural missionary, mm-hmm. and each one did what they did because they were motivated in a certain way. So what I just heard from you, for example, Jonah, a very interesting thought that I've never heard is that instead of going where God was sending him, he created his own mission, mm-hmm. actually, right? So mm-hmm. he said, well, why don't I do God's work, but in a different place? So mm-hmm. he was kind of motivated by his own idea, mm-hmm. plus that hate for people that he didn't want to go to. And then when he went, he was motivated again by all the prejudices that mm-hmm. there was. And so he was expecting for God to carry out that judgment. So we, we see a whole array of, of negative Motivation. Sometimes in some of those things we may see ourselves, you know, we may be looking down to the people that we serve or we may actually go because it's our own idea. We want to build our own career or, you know, or whatever are those Mm -hmm. selfish reasons why we would want to go. Paul, on the other hand, absolutely motivated by the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He writes over and over. And Mark wants to be useful in the end, right? And, and even Paul recognizes that. So mm. he, Mark says, anything I can do, serve Paul in the prison, sure, whatever I can do. But he wanted to be useful in God's work. So an example of positive motivation. Now to maybe to the core of our interview, would you share at least three principles of true positive missionary motivation? Well, that's a very tricky question and again if you ask me today i might say something if you ask me tomorrow i might say something else and if you ask 10 other missionaries they might say 20 other things today we want your version Uh, yeah for today the first one that comes to mind to me is that if god has opened a door for me who am i to make excuses and say no i trust god with my life because that's what a follower of jesus does and I have just been asked again to go into a new mission post. It was a complete surprise to me. But as my wife and I thought about it, this is what came to our mind. God has opened the door for us. This seems to be the way forward. We are confident and we're feeling at peace with that step. And so kind of a related issue is, do I trust God in this or don't I? Again, this issue of trust. I trust God because there's a number of big question marks that we've got before we go. But based on previous experience, we know that God answers those question marks, but he doesn't answer them all at the same time. He doesn't answer them even in the time you want him to. But looking back, as we've looked at big question marks in our past, we've thought, wow, that's been amazing the way that God has stepped in and answered those. And the third thing, the future, we're looking at retirement soon. We were making some sort of plans for retirement. This mission call comes. We trust God that, you know, we might not make good plans for the future, but he knows the future and it's safer for us to follow him than to follow our little concoctions. You know, what's best for us is better known by God than known by us. So 
I'm not sure whether there's three there, but that might be one that's expanded into three parts. But that's kind of where I am today. Before I kind of review these three, because I do want to repeat them, for the sake of our listeners, could you share just a little bit about you and Carol, your wife, what's going on right now? You guys have about 40 years of mission experience, as far as I know, behind you. And like you said, almost ready for retirement. And you've just accepted a new post. If you could share a little bit of background, what's going on? Yeah, though? when you say 40 years, that's combined. Both Carol and I have done about 20 years each. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is our fifth mission appointment. Is that right? Okay. So that means we've been to five mission institutes. And we have really appreciated this one. This has been the cream of the lot. So we're really happy that we've been here. We went to the Solomon Islands when our children were new, just young boys of four and two they were at the time. After the Solomons, we came back to the homelands and then we were called to New Guinea. When we were in New Guinea, halfway through, we went to Andrews to get our doctorates. And then we came back to New Guinea. We thought we'd be there until the Lord came, and we then got a call to IAS in the Philippines. And we were happy to be there for a while until our division president called us and said, we, we need you back home. You need to come. So we thought, oh, well, okay. So we've been back in the homelands again for the last nine years, thinking that was kind of the home straight, ready for retirement for the next step. And then this call came. A tremendous need for mentoring young leaders. There's a tremendous leadership shortage. It's a leadership crisis and throughout the Pacific. So they're asking a couple of crusty old missionaries to be mentors for the young ones to give them confidence and skills in leading. We cannot, as we've said traditionally as a church, that the young will finish the work. We've never believed that. We've always thought that in the background, but in practical terms, what we've said is that, yes, the young will finish the work, but when they're old, they will, not now. But that's been a fallacy. We've got to get rid of that mentality. The young people in the church now must be the leaders. With old people in the background, just giving them a little bit of counsel and mentoring and because they've got the energy. Our church started young, it must finish young. And that's what is really inspiring us. We want to give these young people the empowerment to be good leaders now. Thank you for sharing that, David. And thank you for setting aside your plans and being ready together with Carol. Work longer, work more, especially with this openness to invest your lives these years. When you could have been around your grandkids or, I don't know, enjoying mm -hmm. the beach in mm -hmm. one of the most beautiful places in the world, but still go into uh, some harsh realities and serve this way. So back to that question on principles, what the three parts that you mentioned of that principle of missionary motivation, what I heard from you, and you correct me, you know, as I go through this real quickly, is that what's important for every missionary is that they know that God sends, He owns the mission and He calls and He mm. sends. Mm. That's one. Second is trust based on previous experience. If I had those good experiences with the Lord, I know that, you know, it's going to be fine and I can't go. God will bless. And number three is that God, He has a plan. Mm -hmm. He has a vision for the future and I can be part of it. So mm -hmm. again, it is all centered in the glory of God and in, in His presence in our lives. Yes. David, next question we have here is, 
What are some essential steps for us to work out a Christ-centered motivation? Practically speaking, you know, if we are not quite there yet, what could we do? Are you talking about before we go to the mission field or as we are there working it through and getting... I guess both, but if you do want to make a distinction, then let's talk before or after or during. Maybe on arrival in the mission fields. When I first arrived as a mission president as a young man, I didn't know what a mission president was or was supposed to do. It was a big question mark. It was wonderful honor to be asked to do that job, but I didn't know what to do. So I read through the filing cabinet of my predecessor and, and looked at all of the projects that he had completed and some of the things that he hadn't completed. So that's where I started. I started picking up some of the things that he hadn't done. But I found very quickly that it is very addictive to be so successful in doing something because in the homelands you work on things and it's as if you're banging your head against a brick wall for years without hardly seeing any results. And here you saw a lot of But in the mission field, man, you can see results every day from your work and that's very addictive. You think, wow, look what the Lord is doing through me or even look at what I'm doing. So after a couple of years of really relying on the Lord to help me through all kinds of things that I didn't know, I was starting to get a bit confident now. And so I was pushing God into the background a little because I didn't have time. There was so much to do. It was overwhelming. There's so many things that have to be done. And so I was pushing my time with God into the background because there's too much work to do. And you can guess the result of that. Another year or two after that, and I was burned out. I learned that lesson very soon, that if I neglect that time with the Lord, then I'm going to pay for it. So essential steps to work out a Christ-centered motivation. Make sure that you spend time with God each day, because if you don't, you're going to burn out. Another thing, we are human beings and not human doings. And so that changes my prayer. Rather than saying, Lord, help me to do what I have to do, my prayer has changed to be, Lord, help me to be who you want me to be. And there's a huge difference because it's who we are that is more important than what we do. Because if we are the right people, we will do the correct things. But if we do the correct things, we may not be the right people. Look at the Pharisees. They were doing all the right things, and yet they crucified Jesus. Look at me a couple of years after that. I was doing all the right things, but I was coming unstuck in my Christian walk. So who we are is important. And as we know Jesus, he is the one that reveals ourselves to ourselves and opens up the door of our heart, and we can see what needs to be cleaned up. And we say, Lord, I need some help. Please come into that part of my life and change me. So I don't have a lot of points on this one. That is the main one. That's how we can make sure that we are working at a Christ-centered motivation. We've just got to make sure that Christ is at the center and not me and my work and my, my responsibilities and the honor that comes to me. And we just must push those aside. And the practical path may be different for every person. What I just, what I really loved about about what you just said is, we often do talk about missionaries needing that time with the Lord, mm. but you kind of reverse that. You said it's all about 
the Lord being at the center of our lives and then the spiritual discipline is a way, is the practical way of coming yeah. to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, David. Thank you for that. Would you perhaps recommend a book or any resource online, anything that would help those of us listeners who are interested in kind of looking a little bit deeper into the topic of missionary motivation? That's a very difficult question. When I first thought about this, I thought, no, I really can't think of a book. And my next comment was, you know, each missionary that is listening to this and all of our colleagues that are not, We've all got a story to tell. And it is as the missionaries tell their story, that is what provides motivation for the next generation. I was involved in a research project on return missionaries as part of my portfolio and the job that I've just left working at Avondale. And I interviewed quite a few missionaries who had returned. And the thing that came out from all of them, what motivated them to be a missionary, was the stories that they had heard as children. Where are our current mission books? Who are the missionaries that are writing their stories? So I would challenge both myself and those that are listening. We've got to write our stories because there's a generation out there that just needs to know. But having said that and having thought about that, there is a book that I have really appreciated, and that is the book Passport to Mission that's edited by Cheryl Doss at the Institute of World Mission. It's a must. It's been through a number of iterations. I think this is the fourth... At least, yeah. At least this is the fourth edition. edition of it. If you haven't read that book, you've got to, because there's a lot of very practical stuff on all kinds of levels, but it also is very good on motivation. There two are other several books, chapters uh, yeah. dedicated to that. Yeah. Two other books that I have found useful. What Missionaries Need to Know About Burnout and Depression by Esther Schubert. Everybody suffers depression like a common cold. Everybody has a cold, maybe once a year or, or more or less. And similarly, throughout our lifetime, we're going to suffer bouts of depression. And this book is very interesting from a missionary's perspective. What happens? How do you recognize it? Because a lot of people don't recognize that they're depressed. I, as I read through that book, I thought, well, is that why I did what I did at that time? Because I must have been suffering depression at that time. It's got a very interesting section on depression and missionary kids, which is very important. So this kind of motivation, you know, what is really firing me? Is it my guilt? Is it my failures? Or is it my sense of Jesus being with me and, and calling me? And perhaps the last one, the 3D Gospel, Ministry and Guilt, Shame and Fear Cultures by Jason Georges. Right. What a fascinating and interesting book that is. And again, it's just saying that let's be motivated not by guilt, shame, and fear, but by innocence, honor, and power that Jesus gives us. Thank you, David. One very last question is, sometimes, you know, we might have an Adventist missionary listener who would, you know, listen to this interview with you and would say, hmm, you know, I would have a question or maybe I would want to share something with David and perhaps I could get some input into what's happening in my life, just because they heard you and so forth. Mm. Would you be willing to maybe share your contact information in the show notes? Would you give us permission so that if several of our listeners would desire to write you, they would be able to? Sure. I'm not sure what email to give you because I'm changing email very soon. 
but maybe if in the first instance you want to get contact with me, just do it through the IWM office. Yeah, definitely. And then we can definitely pass and on. And then forward that, it on. Uh, yeah, that would be the easiest as a short-term answer. Excellent. Yeah. David, thank you so much for coming on to the Institute of World Mission podcast and sharing this with us. Thank you. Just before we fully conclude this episode, let me ask you an important question. Have you subscribed to the IWM podcast? There are several ways to do it. Number one, find it inside your Apple podcast or Google podcast or Stitcher or Spotify apps. Any of those will work. Click subscribe. Once you do this, you will automatically download our new episodes. You don't use a podcasting app? And maybe you're listening to IWM weekly shows on our website? Great. Subscribe to the weekly podcast updates by email. By the way, friends, do that even if you're using any of the special apps. This is the best way to stay in the know about each newly published episode. Here's another one. Like our Facebook page. We post about every new episode on our Facebook page. And of course, feel free to give us any comments either on Facebook or on Workplace or as comments on our website. Best of all, send the link to this podcast episode to your friend with your personal recommendation. Let's grow and strengthen the very hours, our own learning community. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.